Not here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shield up. Signatures detected. Context Southfleet Command. What's happening? Context Southfleet Command. Delay that order. Context Southfleet Command. This is the captain. Context Southfleet Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. Klingons. Welcome to The Greatest Discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm fucking psyched, man, because it's new It's new season day. <laughs> it's new season day. We are in the middle of our uh, epic run of New Trek. Yeah. Longest run of New Trek in, in ages, beating the last time they did 23 weeks of New Trek. Is this the first time we've ever had a week where we're doing a Greatest Generation and two Greatest Discoveries in the same week? I think that's a first for us as well. And this is a, a really nice, fast turnaround for the folks because this is coming out the day after Star Trek colon Picard colon season two premieres. This is a momentous occasion worthy of, of calling the <laughs> network. Yeah, we should call Jordan Jesse Go and tell him about our big news. Yeah, I mean, everyone knows when you have a momentous occasion or just an occasion to talk to anyone about anything, <laughs> you call Maximum Fun. What is, what is that number? 206-984-4-FUN, right? I think I've got that thing memorized. Damn, well done, sir. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? That goes for anything. If you have any comments about the greatest generation or greatest discovery, uh, anything you want to get off your chest. Yeah, leave them for Jordan and Jesse. Good or bad, uh, they they love... Listening to the voicemail over there. Uh -huh. And if you hear us say something that you think is funny, but we don't understand why it's funny, call uh, Stop Podcasting Yourself, and I don't remember what their phone number is. Well, it's just one number. That's what's great. When you <laughs> when you call 206-984-4-FUN. Oh, yeah. It's like, like there's a phone tree for Mabimbam, press one, for Mabimbam, press two, for Mabimbam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to get into like the upper 20s to get a non-McElroy show on the switchboard there. And actually, if you if you talk to the operator at Maximum Fun, they just hang up on you if you want to be connected to any other show. Fuck you. <laughs> it's not worth their time. Yeah, come on. Give me a break. We have, uh, we have a big episode today, man. Do you want to just jump right in head first? Yeah, I really do, because I feel like we might go long on this one. Once again, getting back into new Star Trek episodes that are longer than 20 minutes. Hey, come on! Our episode will definitely be longer than 52 minutes, <laughs> I imagine, <laughs> after we get through talking about Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 1, The Stargazer. And we start in media gaze. More like Stargeezer, am I right, Ben? Because <laughs> Picard's so old. Yeah, but we don't see him first. What we see first is uh, security people being summoned to the bridge. I really like this. You never see the security people running up, you know? Yeah. You just see them getting there. It's like the bomb squad. They're wearing the security uniforms that say, if you see me running, try to catch up or something. <laughs> yeah. What's that What's that shirt? It's such a classic. Yeah, yeah. It's bangers aplenty on their way to the bridge, and we follow three of them onto an elevator, and uh, when they get up to the bridge, it is just so explodey up there. This is a great moment, that calm before the storm, before the turbo lift doors open, where you're a security person, knowing you're probably going to die in a cold open of an episode of Star Trek. 
seriously. when those doors open up and they almost do. If the raining sparks in the elevator don't kill you, the Borg's queen will. Did you think for a moment that you had played the wrong episode? Or that something was wrong with your screener because I, I really like a in media race open, but this was this was so media race <laughs> <laughs> that it was confusing, but in a good way because I like to be confused like this. I like being dropped in. Yeah, as we sit in the chaos, you begin to realize that the gang is pretty much all here. Everybody. We know from uh, the last season of Picard is more or less on this bridge. This is part of my confusion, right? Like, this is not the La Serena. Yeah. What the hell is Rios doing wearing a Starfleet uniform? I don't believe this. You're going to put that thing on and parade around like one of them? Yeah. They're setting self-destruct before you even know it. And uh, Picard turns to a hooded figure on the bridge. And uh, we fade to white and we're in the opening credits. Opening credits that feature an updated theme song to the show. Oh, yeah. As if as if last year's theme was taken back into the shop and the instructions were, this is good, but um, more epic. Like, really <laughs> epic the shit out of this. <laughs> All of the modern tweaks that epic movie scores contain yeah. is now in this theme. They got them all in there. <laughs> yeah. We got the uh, flanging uh, sound effect. We've got the dissonant chord strings. We got it all. <laughs> yeah, it really sounds big. Yeah. Really big. We come back, and it's 48 hours earlier at Chateau Picard in Labar, France. I got a big laugh out of beaming grapes off of a vine. <laughs> Just... I mean, in a utopian ideal future where physical labor is only something that people do for fun, you would beam the grapes off the vine. You would. Yeah, I mean, not a lot of people are going for colonoscopies in this future. You just beam <laughs> the polyps right out of your colon. <laughs> if you're beaming grapes, you can totally beam polyps, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You uh, diverticulate those things right out of here. <laughs> How relieved were you to see number one? I mean, I will, I'll say I was less relieved to see number one and more relieved that this dog wasn't abandoned Yeah. after the first few episodes when Picard took off on his mission. Yeah, somebody, I guess Laris and Jabon made sure that uh, number one was okay. Yeah. Um, Laris still around. Uh, Thank God. She's uh, she's hanging out while they're, uh, you know, crating up bottles of wine Everybody knows that you do this out in the full sun. You know, red wine <laughs> likes to be uh, exposed to, to sunlight when it's when it's in the bottle. Wine, red pot. Yeah, it's very true. <laughs> I mean, this is a this is a day of celebration. Harvest day is what they look forward to at the vineyard. Yeah, when they aren't looking at each other, Laris and Picard, they're they're kind of making eyes across the crowded winery. I kind of thought that Picard was hitting on her and. <laughs> And then the conversation turns to, uh, remember Shaban? Gone too soon with Shaban. That old ruffle head's been in the dirt for a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, good old Shaban. Well, glad he got out of here so it could leave the two of us to uh, explore things. Laris makes the hardest pass here. The Romulan has crossed the neutral zone border. shields to maximum. I know, like, I thought... It was Picard putting the moves on her until Jabon came up. And then I was like, oh, like bad call if you're putting the moves on. And then she picks the, that ball up and like spikes it in the end zone. 
And <laughs> it really plays with expectations because you think, you know, it's going to be like, Laris is going to think it's too soon to move on from Jaban. She can't get over his ruffles. Picard has no ruffles. He can't compete in the ruffle department. <laughs> but I was shocked that it was Laris making the move and Picard stuffing his own balls in the ball kicking machine <laughs> and kicking them himself. You said that that first scene was disorienting and seemed like you put the wrong episode on. I kind of thought this scene felt like I was watching out of order because I was like, you don't have the love story resolve in episode one of the arc. Yeah. And they're like leaning in to kiss and then he uh, he fumbles on the finish line. Yeah, it's very late and you've got that speech tomorrow. There's a lot of conversation here about like solitude versus companionship and why Picard has chosen the lonely lifestyle that he's had and whether his adventures are about looking for something or if they're about distancing himself from something. This is the Amy Brenneman, Bobby De Niro conversation from Heat all over again. Picard puts it out there that he is uh, alone but not lonely. He's just fine doing his bit of business up in the stars. But this is such bullshit. Total bullshit, man. Yeah. Laris is great, and she's right there, and she wants to be together, and Picard has his reasons, reasons we don't know about. Yeah, it's bullshit, especially because, like, if you're shooting someone that close, the city lights behind them would be out of focus, but for some reason they're in focus because for some reason they chose to shoot this against a green screen, and De Niro, like, looks good, but it just doesn't make any sense, you know? Yeah. I mean, it gives the whole thing a kind of magical quality. Far be it for me to criticize any choice that the great Dante Spinotti would make behind the camera. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if the point of this scene was to make the viewer feel unbearably sad, it worked. It's really sad. But it's only later on that I just got unbearably mad at Picard. (laughs) (laughs) I got mad later. Wow. Spoiler alert. This is a chicken out of a kiss into childhood memory, which I feel like every time I've been on the verge of kissing someone and chickened out, I've immediately replayed every horrible memory from my childhood. So, Sure. <laughs> it's a real uh, real Mrs. Er Robinson. How would a Romulan spell that last name? Like young Picard fucks it up again with a much older Romulan. I don't know how to kiss. Why do we have this big empty sunroom on the vineyard? Heaven holds a place for him in space. Hey, hey, hey. I mean, but it is not all childhood nostalgia. Like we get flashbacks of Scenes of his mother being violently assaulted and him as a child being instructed to like, hey, when you hear me getting fucked up like this, just look up to the stars for comfort. Yeah. Jesus Christ. What the fuck? (sighs) Yeah. I've always said that one of my favorite things about Picard is that we don't spend a lot of time with a Picard that is haunted. Well, there he sits, Ben. <laughs> this is a, a hard rewrite of the early Picard. Like, he wasn't, he was a little bit haunted about the Stargazer. Sure. Like, a professional regret was as haunted as he ever got in TNG, but this is fucking nightmarish shit. 
if their point is to make you feel bad, like, again, like, this is two scenes in a row. I'm feeling very bad about him and his situation. Sad stuff. Uh, this is a room, like a sunroom in the estate in Labar, and uh, he finds, like, a piece of broken glass, and it's got a rose on it. Another shard making some kind of significance in the life of Jean-Luc Picard. Is Picard's compound so huge that he could just leave this area broken down and trashed for decades? What is this place? <laughs> we used to do tastings at the vineyard. <laughs> but then we let that wing go. The tourists would just come in and get so profoundly drunk. You put out the spit bucket and they don't use it. <laughs> We pull way, 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 way back. A Frakes level pull out. Out of the vineyard, off of the planet surface, off of the planet, out of the like out of the solar system. Way, way out there. And toward the USS Avalon, which is being totally rocked by the appearance of a green space butthole. Yeah, this is a very angry looking space butthole. Maybe throw some Preparation H on that, see if that clears up. Preparation H, it works. Maybe, I think you want to go this from two different angles. You definitely want to get the cortisone cream, but you want to get those wipes. Yeah, just don't flush them. Remember, they they may say flushable, but they're fucking up the sewers. Yeah, evidently the montage of memories that Picard was having lasts so long, it goes into the next morning. Because when Laris brings Picard his fool's tea <laughs> with a, a side of side eye, <laughs> it is a stark reminder of how badly he blew it the night before. Yeah. And he blew it so badly that she is just going to pick up and leave rather than stay and deal with the awkwardness about it. Going forward, it would all be too awkward. And I'm too old for it. It's over between them. I've heard of uh, awkward conversation over the water cooler, but this is an awkward conversation over the cold tea. (laughs) And he's going to let her go. Yeah. Of course he is. Not before she helps him find a book that he's looking for. Really kind of underscores if uh, this golem's head wasn't bolted on, he would lose it. It's weird that the book he was searching for was, uh, Do They Serve Beer in Hell? (laughs) Yeah. What happened to you, Picard? Laris, uh, on her way out, says, I don't know if you've ever seen Eight Mile, but uh, you only get one shot and uh, you missed it. We cut to Picard's speech, the big speech that he was preparing for at the Academy commencement at Starfleet Command. Where he works. He's the commandant of Starfleet Academy. He's delivering this commencement address and he's talking about how Space gets thrown around as being the final frontier, but in fact, time is the final frontier. And the thing about time is is second chances are really rare. I thought it would have been great if he'd kind of brought recent experience into this. Like, for example, my friend Laris, I neglected to kiss her last night and she just left. She's gone. Think about that. I can't go back in time just to fix that one fuck up. Could you imagine... (laughs) Me, making my own tea every morning. (laughs) Yeah, he stays on script here, pretty much. He's the last Picard. He mentions that that, uh, he is the last of his line, and he does this by way of quoting his mother's thing about looking up at the stars. But it made me, like, I was distracted in this moment wondering about 
can a golem re- <laughs> reproduce? Like if he wanted to spread his seed, could he? I would feel so much better about Picard's reluctance to be with Laris if it was all about like golem dick confidence. <laughs> You know, since I moved into the golem, very soft erections. <laughs> Not what I'm used to as an old man, Laris. And, uh, you know, conventional medication doesn't work on the robot body, so there's not much to be done about it, sadly. I could do finger stuff at best. But look at how nubby these are. They, they went to great lengths to reproduce my... Rheumatism. Uh, <laughs> uh, he does a little crowd work here, and that's fun. He, see, he sees Elnor yeah. in the crowd. Hey, uh, everyone, we got an Elnor in the crowd. First Romulan, graduated at the academy. Yeah. Why don't, you, why don't you stand up, Elnor? Tell everyone where you're from. <laughs> we used to haul these guys in front of military tribunals when Romulans tried to join Starfleet. <laughs> yeah, everyone remembers that, right? <laughs> Remember when you sliced that guy in half? <laughs> Oh, you're telling me I need to be more specific, huh? You kind of sliced a lot of guys in half, didn't you? Was that on the test to get in? Is that like a... 4.0 in the culinary arts at uh, Starfleet Academy. You're one of those students that comes with his own knives, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah, talk about attaching yourself to a hopeless cause. Elnor was the type that always wrote the thesis paper the morning it was due, right? Yeah. Time after time. Up in space, Seven of Nine is uh, creeping around on the La Serena where a bunch of bad guys are hunting for her amid cargo. And this is medical cargo owned by the Fenris Rangers, to which she still seems to be affiliated. I'm never going to get these jars of urine to Deep Space Nine for Dr. Bashir (laughs) if I keep getting held up like this. I am saving lives and you are slowing me down. (laughs) Seven, I'm still waiting (laughs) for my shipment. I hope it's still warm by the time it arrives. (laughs) Yeah, uh, we understand that she is still Fenris Rangering. Uh, only this time using the La Serena as her main ship. Yeah, these space pirates are really cool and scary. Show me your ugly bored face. Hey, guess what? If I gave my ship to another person, doesn't matter if I sold it, like if I gave my ship to you, mm-hmm. there is no fucking way you are keeping the hollows of me. <laughs> that is messed up, man. Yeah. I do not want you messing around with my hollows. Yeah, I would have changed what they look like at the very least. Absolutely, but all Seven did is merge them. Yeah, she merged them into a, one single Emmet to rule them all. It's funny, we just saw an episode of Voyager where the Doctor merged a bunch of personalities together and he was told pretty clearly how dangerous that would be. <laughs> Not a great idea. But uh, with the help of Hollow Rios, she wins this fight and then beams the pirates into space, I guess. <laughs> We don't see where she beams them. I'm assuming that she just beams them into the hard vacuum. On Star Trek, if you never get a beaming destination, I'm going to assume out into space. Yeah. Didn't seem like she was trying to like save lives. She was swinging at them with like a huge pipe wrench. But that is not a non-lethal option. On the bridge, Seven and the merged hollow 
pick up this subspace distortion that we saw earlier, this this green space butthole. And it looks even bigger than before. Yeah. It is so huge. Seems like she's just in the same neighborhood as the USS Avalon, which is surprising. Like I would think that the presence of a Federation starship would discourage piracy. One would think so. But uh, I guess the Avalon was banged up enough that <laughs> that wasn't much of a deterrent. What happened to the ship that the pirates came in on? Do you know that? Yeah, where's that? Did they come from the Avalon? Maybe they had stowed away in the urine. Oh. They were just holding their breath for a really long time. <laughs> they yeah. Were, they were doing that thing where they had a straw just protruding above the surface. A lovely place. Gross. Elsewhere in the galaxy, in the Beta Quadrant, uh, we visit Raritan 4, a planet that Daj and Dr. Gerardi are visiting. And Daj has uh, become sort of a goodwill ambassador for synthetics. Is it Daj or Soji? I forget which one this is. Oh, I think it's Daj. Is it Soji? Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, it's Soji. We got it wrong. Because Daj died. Oh, fuck. So I got it wrong. I got two more chances. <laughs> you do. This is a planet much like Gene Roddenberry used to create, like, sex fantasy planets. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a bunch of hot balds. What do you think I mean, bald? Bald! Bald bald! Imagine a planet full of hot balds. But that's what I'm saying. This is Akiva Goldsman's fantasy. <laughs> this, is, this is the planet of hot balds. Wow. You know, he fucking loves that. Yeah. Yeah. You know who doesn't love it is Dr. Girardi. She does not want a hot bulb hitting on her at the bar. And uh, so she, she's not just playing hard to get. She's just shutting him down with extreme prejudice. I don't understand her bad attitude. She's able to walk the universe a free person because her murder charge was thrown out due to being alien-induced insane. <laughs> It's called the Gerardi defense, Adam. It works. Can you imagine being on Star Trek and that being your defense? You'd claim it as your defense every time. Hard to disprove. Show me how to disprove that. It's a shadow of a doubt, Adam. This is like the earlier Picard scene with Laris. But if you couldn't connect with it because you're a Gen Xer, like this is that version of that moment <laughs> where, where Gerardi is like, you don't want to get close to me. I'm bad news. <laughs> you know, like being being repulsive to a relationship intentionally. I'm a loner, Baldy, a rebel. I'm half in the bag anyway, so I'm going to give you a little advice. Yeah. Rios Radio is down to her, and I got to call attention to Allison Pill's take here because her thumbs up look back at this bald <laughs> is, it's definitely on my mountain of funniest moments <laughs> or reacts. Yeah. Definitely on Picard, but maybe in new Star Trek. Yeah, we need to get Bill to isolate this gif quick, fast. It is so funny. Yeah, she's great. Um, yeah. She is uh, drunkenly explaining to Soji that uh, she's Audi 5000. She's going to go help Rios with whatever. Soji's sticking around to let her plunging neckline do the talking for... <laughs> Synthetics everywhere. This is where we leave her. On a planet of balds, you got to believe that smooth, round skin doesn't draw the eye in the same way, right? <laughs> like, so the plunging neckline, probably not. Not moving the needle for them. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere I look, I see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I kind of wonder if this is her character getting written out of season two or. I kind of felt that way too. Makes yeah. you wonder. 
I wonder about the same thing for Laris. Like if they're just giving us little updates to them before sending them off. I hope not. This is something that, uh, I mean, we'll discover this as we do more and more episodes of the Santa Monica Mountains podcast, but Baywatch did this all the time. They would bring a character into the next season only to write them out in the first one or two Ah, episodes. That's so devastating. Yeah, it's tough. But it does serve to solidify how thematically alike the Baywatch expanded universe is with the Star Trek expanded universe. Absolutely. It's good and appropriate that we're doing podcasts about both. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of connective tissue. I love Captain Rios's captain energy. Mm -hmm. Uh, When she gets up on the bridge, she's, you know, doing 10 things, keeping threads running in his mind. Kemi, get us there as fast as you can, short of flying us through a sun. Comms, anything yet? Nothing, Captain. Keep trying. And I love what a great foil Allison Pill is to that because she's doing a really fun act drunk. Only at this point did I realize that her outfit was very reminiscent of the coat that Beverly Crusher would wear when she came and sat side saddle on the on the bridge. And uh, great call. And Allison Pill looks great as the like semi trashed doctor. Well, that's kind of kind. Hanging out with Captain Rios, who keeps missing opportunities to light that stogie. I had a different take on this scene, and it's so it's just coming from a work history. Like I couldn't get out of my head about how annoying it had to be to be on the bridge trying to do a job when Gerardi gets beamed up and doesn't belong there and starts fucking around with your shit in your station, as she does later. <laughs> like I'm a professional. I was hired to do this. Yeah. What is your girlfriend doing here? Isn't she the best? Oh, totally amazing. I just love her. So many opinions. Yes, we're very, very happy for you, okay? <laughs> is this directed at me, Adam? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but uh, there may be a couple of tour dates coming up we want to talk about. Okay, wow. <laughs> uh, GreatestGenTour.com if you want to see Ben and Adam fighting again on stage. How clear are you about Gerardi and Rios's relationship? It seems like it went for a minute and then stopped. And yeah. now they are a little bit miffed at each other. I just wanted to make sure we were on the same page there because I think they do a fair job of obscuring the truth of that. Yeah, we get uh, a nice reveal of the ship that Chris Rios is the captain of. It is the USS Stargazer, but no bloody A, B, C, or D. No, I thought that was weird. Yeah, but it's looking sexy as hell. Great looking ship. It's got four four uh, warp, uh, what do you call those things? Uh-oh. Nacelles. Nacelles, fuck. Is that number two? No, I mean, you didn't make a, a wrong guess. You just sort of hung it out there for me to, to pick up. So, no, nah, I don't think that's wrong. I feel like such a bad Star Trek podcaster. I came very close to saying warp pylons. <laughs> You know what? You deserve a second strike for that. (laughs) You know when your ship has four nacelles, you got to open up those starbase doors extra wide. Yeah. (laughs) Really handsome ship, though. Yeah. You're right about that. Uh, So off they warp. They're going to go check out that space butthole. And we are back at Starfleet Command, where a friend of mine from college is in the scene, Adam. What? 
the pregnant Starfleet officer that is handing out assignments to cadets is my friend Swati Kapila. Wow. She was in my sophomore year film production crew. Uh-huh. I have actively made films with Swati. And she is pregnant in the scene because I think she was really pregnant when they shot this because she just had a baby recently. Wow. Are we going to get her on the phone right now? Uh, she probably blocked your number, right? I mean, I, I do have her old cell phone number. I don't know if she, she probably changed it, right? When she found out what I do for a living. <laughs> the viewers at home are watching this now. This is live podcasting. Send her a text and say that we just watched the screener of Picard and say congratulations or something. Okay, I'm going to send her a text. Uh, we'll see. All right. See how this goes. Um, I haven't seen her in a long time, but uh, probably partly because of the, the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> um, I used to see her like somewhat often uh, after we moved to LA. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a text out there, see what comes back. You definitely should. And then we'll see if by the end of the record, we get something back. So the scene at the Academy is that these assignments are being given out by... Ben's friend from film school. And we get confirmation that Picard is the chancellor of Starfleet Academy as a job, which kind of feels like a step down for him. Yeah. You know, he probably carries an admiral rank still, but like chancellor at a at a at an academy, I don't know. It's not the same. He flirted with this role a couple of times in TNG and how much archaeology could you really do? At the academy. <laughs> you want to be a good archaeologist? You gotta get out of the library. Doesn't seem like much. I mean, it's really just an opportunity to completely retool Kobayashi Maru, make it mean something else for a whole new generation of Starfleet cadets. I'm a Kobayashi Maru originalist, though, Ben. <laughs> I think the I think the founding educators at Starfleet Academy knew what they were doing. From day one. Yeah, I just, I disagree. I think that there's no way they possibly could have anticipated the world that Starfleet inhabits now. And That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there were no Borgs back in their day. <laughs> yeah, the Kobayashi Maru was written in a world that couldn't anticipate the no-win scenario coming home <laughs> to Earth the way. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't imagine the no-win scenario assimilating you. Yeah. yeah. It's also a scene where Raffi tells Picard that she wants so much more with Seven than yeah. Seven is is able to give, which I think now that we've had our third occurrence of this theme is what this season's going to be about. Second romantic chances, the season of Star Trek. Yeah. So everyone's getting ship assignments. This is great. Yeah. Elnor goes up to the Excelsior, which is like the Excelsior H probably. That's Raffi's <laughs> ship, which is cool. Yeah. I thought it was a little bit weird that my friend was giving out most of the assignments, but then David Letterman was the one that gave it to Elnor and he goes, Elnor, Excelsior, Excelsior, Elnor. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't really work, but he keeps doing it. There is a significance to the graduation gift, you know? Like when I graduated college, there was a small gathering hmm. of my close family and some family friends, like celebrating the occasion of the graduation. And this seems to feel a little like that because Elnor's on his way to a ship. His education here appears to be winding down Picard as a gift. That gift is Leonard Nimoy's I Am Not Spock book. <laughs> 
Elnor doesn't know quite how to take this. He's like, so yeah. are you saying like I made a mistake taking this part like that yeah. <laughs> I'll be kind of typecast for the rest of my career and I won't really be yeah. able to explore all of my creative interests in film? Thank you for the book, Admiral. You know, Elnor, <laughs> you'll go up to the Excelsior and find very few things to slice in half. <laughs> this book may be the last thing you have. <laughs> we get a nice uh, outshot here of Picard kind of looking wistfully at the plaque of his old ship, yeah. his old Stargazer. And then we cut over to Stargazer now, which is now in front of this giant green space butthole. Yeah. And... Uh... Captain Rios's cigar remains unlit. Yeah, what's it going to take to get that cigar lit, Rios? I don't know. I kind of wanted there to be a more cigar bits, like if he got it lit and then like a, you know, a, a dot came out from somewhere and, and hit it with a, a fire extinguisher. That would have been fun. Or if there's a phaser setting just for lighting cigars. <laughs> yeah, or he just has like a little mini cheer phaser, like a vanity lighter on an executive's desk. Yeah, you know, my cousin died on an away mission to Deneb 3 because his dustbuster was accidentally set to cigar <laughs> and not kill. It was like one of those embarrassing Star Trek deaths that we don't talk about the details of. Yeah. I RSVP my cousin. They get a FaceTime from uh, Seven of Nine, who, as we know, is quite close to this butthole. Rios does not like the looks of the La Serena when he sees an exterior shot of the ship. They cut out about 10 minutes of like, I, I, didn't, I didn't delete my hollow over there, did I? You're, you're like, you've got my ship and my hollow over there? Oh, my God. Don't tell me that there have been nights when you've been like a little bit lonely and you booted up the hollow and... Tried to get it a little hollow drunk. I know that inside the personalities folder, there is also a folder called tax documents. Mm -hmm. That is just having to do with the purchase of the hollow software. And there is absolutely nothing in there for you to see. Yeah. Not, uh... It's warranty information. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just maybe, maybe just uh, beam that over here. <laughs> uh, but they can't complete this conversation because suddenly on all frequencies there's a, a very loud noise hey want to hear the most annoying sound in the world and drunk Gerardi scrambles over to uh, the op station where she's going to try and help this Bajoran lady uh, decode this transmission and uh, what it turns out is it's like a whole bunch of languages layered over each other. We've got French, we've got Portuguese, we've got German, uh, but they all—they are all saying the same thing. Yeah, there's there's the Castilian pronunciation. Help us, Picard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's got to be an art to making credible static, right? Yeah. I I did not like this sound, but I respected this sound. Yeah. No. As as a creation, I thought it was great. The couple of times I have tried to create a sound from whole cloth, I have done a really bad job. And it is so hard. Yeah, this is uh, this is impressive work. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed, and one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor meals. 
Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals. And they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next gen skin safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra large Manscaped t shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. We cut over to Earth, Los Angeles. Forward Avenue. 10 Forward Avenue specifically, (laughs) and the bar and restaurant run by Guinan. How would you rate this hug against the Hugh hug in season one, Ben? Oh. When Picard and Guinan hug. It's hard for me to 
say who I would want to hug more, Picard or Guinan. I think I would want to hug Guinan more. I think I agree with you there, but at the moment it happens, Picard needs the Hugh hug so bad that there was something like incredibly cathartic by that moment because at that moment in time, he'd been through like six episodes of just getting his nuts smashed right. repeatedly. This is a little too fresh to hit as hard maybe as as I think the episode is expecting it to. I love seeing Guinan. Well, and you're also just mad at Whoopi for saying that bad stuff about the Holocaust. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that was Guinan. That was Guinan talking? It <laughs> no. wasn't? Guinan, oh, okay. Guinan has a much more enlightened viewpoint <laughs> on, uh, on how that all went down. Looks as though someone's lost their way. Excuse me. Guinan does that thing, though. I don't want to fall into the trap of comparing seasons here, but... When Picard goes and visits Riker and Troy, one of my favorite parts of that episode and certainly that season is when Troy knows something is wrong with him and her face kind of falls and she like feels it. Right. And Guinan is given this moment too. She recognizes something is wrong with her friend and knows that the only thing to do is just drink about it, right? Let's drink about it, she says. She does say that. Uh, the recognition is not that like Picard has the weight of the future of the galaxy resting on his shoulders, though. The recognition yeah. is that Picard is lovelorn, and uh, that calls for Saurian brandy, which comes in such a gimmicky bottle. You know, you know it's not going to be good when you see what the the you know the bottle is like. All the marketing. This is such an interesting answer to a pretty crucial question that I th find very enlightening about people. Yeah. Like, if you're going through a thing, do you want top shelf or do you want hooch? <laughs> and Picard chooses hooch. We know he has expensive taste, you know? It's the choice of someone who's hurting who wants to hurt worse. Yeah. And that's what makes that a really interesting choice. Totally. Leaning into the rot gut and... Uh... Yeah. Guinan's got the love tips for Picard. It's not too late. The problem isn't time. It's you. Yeah, but Picard's not trying to hear it. And the longer this conversation goes, the more you understand that there are things that even Guinan doesn't know about Picard. Even though they're closer than friends, closer than family, right. and she will let him go. <laughs> this is a locked box inside him, and he does not want to talk about it. And... She's like, there's stuff worse than death. Like, for example, if you were turned into some kind of locutus and killed millions, that's worse than dying. Like, if you if you attempted to kill millions, she just sort, sort of points toward the stars. You ever just look up into the stars, Picard, for comfort? <laughs> A lot of people on Earth have had a hard time doing that <laughs> for the last... 30 years. Yeah. It's like they look up and they see the violence. It's not looking up doesn't doesn't clear the violence from their field of view. We met before. Yes, sir. We met in battle. I was on the Saratoga at Wolf 359. <laughs> so they're just going to drink about the thing that goes unsaid. Like good for Guinan, not pressing this. She presses it as hard as a very close friend does, but doesn't take that that one step too far that can turn a hang into an argument, which I have a hard time with. She must have been so tempted to say the final frontier isn't space and it isn't time. It's the bone zone with Laris. If you had an opportunity with Laris, 
This is why you're mad at this episode, right? <laughs> it's no secret that I think Laris is great. I'm upset that we might not see Laris again this season. I am upset at characters and real life friends who have opportunities to better themselves and be happy and don't choose those things. And I'm talking about myself too. Like, it's frustrating. This is what Picard's whole speech was about at the Academy. About the regret of not making a decision, superseding making a decision that's wrong, you know? Yeah. It's like, take your own advice, dude. I think that it's extremely relatable, though. Like, I think we can all see ourselves in that a little bit. See ourselves in, like, knowing the advice and not acting on it out of some resistance in ourselves to acting on it. And the self-own of not letting friends in who care about you. Like, this is this is happening here, too. Like, there is no safer harbor than Guinan. Nowhere in the galaxy. Yeah. You think she hasn't seen a thing or two? <laughs> She's an Elarian, okay? She decided to hold up to ease the consciences of everybody around her. I noticed that humans don't like to be reminded of their mortality, so I, I try to keep up. You think she's going to even blink about your uh, sad Laris story, Picard? <laughs> That's ego is what that is. Yeah, man. So Picard is back at home when another admiral from Starfleet shows up with a iPad with the message, SOS Picard. This admiral is knocking on the door and we just were like outside Picard's bathroom just hearing him totally hammer a toilet. <laughs> the Sarian Brandy has rocked his entire constitution. I know I don't have a lot of it, but somebody could you hold my hair? Picard telling the computer to set auto-destruct <laughs> happens twice in this episode because he sets auto-destruct from the bathroom yeah, on yeah. the vineyard. You wouldn't think that a vineyard would be wired to uh, <laughs> set the warp core to breach. So he grabs a warm washcloth, just kind of uh, wipes off his face and neck and goes to answer the door for Admiral Sally, yeah. who is there to uh, give him a report on something they found in space. They found a space butthole that is calling for help and help specifically from Admiral Picard. And she offers him his badge back. And it is an interesting moment because it's like a very optimistic tone from this Admiral. She's like... This is great. This is a species that can do a technology thing that we have no idea how to do. They're asking to be brought into the Federation, and they're asking to negotiate that specifically with you. But all of the episode up until now makes it feel like Picard is abandoning the mission by accepting the mission. <laughs> like he takes he takes the com badge, and the next shot is Laris just like walking out and hearing a shuttle take off and looking fucking devastated. We had such different reads of this scene. I'm fascinated by this. The tone that Admiral Sally has here is so interesting to me. Yeah. Because on the one hand, I do get that vibe. Like, lucky us. We get a transfer from another school who wants to play on our football team. <laughs> and this kid, this kid looks like he's 30. Like, <laughs> he does not belong out on the field. Get this. He's a sophomore and he runs a 4 4 See, if I get on the South Bend baseball team, the right scout sees me. I'm in the minors. It's game time. But you're 23 years old. Yeah, with the reading comprehension of a 15-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> like, technologically, that's the vibe. But the flip side, like, I definitely do feel the fear of what would a race more powerful than anything they've got 
want to join this team of scrubs for? Like, our asses use the sun to time travel, mm -hmm. and these guys just goatsy their way through space. <laughs> through space and time yeah. and we don't have anything close to that i love the focus here from the hand with the comm badge to picard's face yeah this is a great shot here very red pill kind of moment yeah. but it really feels like the accusation that picard goes off on space adventures to run away from shit is being hard proven right here well i think good on admiral sally to downplay the whole like, you know, among the hundreds of voices in this audio tape I'm playing you asking for you to save them, sounds like one lucky lady <laughs> who just happens to be single and is looking for a committed relationship. <laughs> but God's like, oh, I was, I was not aware of, you know, I didn't have the time to listen to all the voices. It's it's uh, Article 15, it's Help Us Picard, and looking for a silver fox who enjoys red wine and uh, gazing up at the stars. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, Vineyard Mingle is not an app that Picard has. He doesn't want it. <laughs> so Picard shows up on the Stargazer. He is greeted by Seven of Nine, and he is having a bit of a weird walk down memory lane uh they're they're talking about what the new he's the only one walking in this scene everyone's like standing to the side yeah super super erect yeah and uh the stargazer has been built with some technology that has been inspired by stuff that they pulled out of the borg artifact so it's a very advanced, all-new stargazer. You know, we were just talking about Gerardi dodging her murder charge. Is Seven on the run for stealing the Borg cube and crashing it into that Soong planet? <laughs> Whatever happened with that? Because the artifact was, I mean, I guess you could say it was destroyed, but they took the technology and then Seven stole the ship. Yeah, well, so... Technically, it was totaled, so it was kind of in this weird insurance gray area where it's not really covered, and it's like worth its value in scrap, but that's pretty easy to cover if you just have the cash. If you think Borg implants are gross, <laughs> uh, I mean, wait until you see the non-OEM replacement implants. Those things just do not yeah. fit into an ocular cavity the way that they should. Yeah, the the... <laughs> Your lines are going to be really messed up yeah. if you do that. <laughs> Welcome to the Bridge of the Stargazer, a remarkable, cool new bridge. Picard really likes what he sees, complimenting Cristobal Rios on his new command and greeting a less drunk now, Gerardi. Yeah, she's fine. She seems to have, have kind of gotten her shit together. Yeah. She's got space Pedialyte. <laughs> Taking that to the dome. But he gets on the uh, radio and starts reaching out to whoever was calling from the other side of the butthole. And initially, there's no answer. And then there's an answer, and it's an oops, it was a trap. All along answer. I love, like, your eye just finds Jerry Ryan in this scene at all times. And basically, from here to the rest of the episode, she is always around she is always edgy when she confirms that it's the borg like it changes her for the rest of the ep yeah there's a close-up of rios in this moment where he's got the cigar in his mouth and i really wanted it to fall out of his mouth when the borg ship showed up 
it does not. I guess that would be a little bit too slapstick, but <laughs> but yeah, this this turns left really hard, really fast, and we cut to the exterior to reveal that the Stargazer is not the only ship that Starfleet has scrambled to this butthole. There's a veritable Wolf 359 of ships here. And yeah, everyone else got the text, you up for Wolf 359, <laughs> eggplant. This is a bad scene. Yeah, scary. In the ready room, Rios convenes the McLaughlin group. Issue one. And he's like, all right, Admiral, you're uh, you're the king on the chessboard. You're calling the shots here. Even though for some reason you chose to be the chancellor of a university, like <laughs> I still feel like you have some strategic knowledge here yeah. that we might all benefit from. And Picard is like, I can't believe that that ship just came out and they're giving us time to have a McLaughlin group right now. Does that make sense to anyone? Do you think there's any chance of a single woman being over there wanting to talk? <laughs> and the Borg are like, uh, yes, there actually is. And we're going to beam her over right now. This isn't the time to note the historical significance of the moment, Picard. I don't know is a terrible answer in this moment. And it frustrates everyone, but especially Seven. From this moment on, I was like, Seven is going to shove Picard out of the way and start making moves. Seven is saying this isn't like the Borg don't join things. They assimilate things. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, this is not a genuine overture. And uh, anybody acting like it might be is kidding themselves. And I think that this is like the the key weakness of Starfleet is they are always looking to assume positive intent and let diplomacy be the first step in everything. And even like Picard is, has come a long way with the Borg and even he is kind of riding for that. And Seven of Nine is like, fucking no, <laughs> it's a trick. Just looking at these two characters on paper, I never would have thought that Seven's opinion of the Borg would be what it is instead of Picard's opinion, you know? Yeah. Like given their unique experiences, I would have thought that those feelings would have been transposed and Picard would have the far more violent feeling toward the Borg than Seven. But it is so strange how soft his feelings are to them, almost forgiving. This is a Picard that has come a long way from first contact. And Picard is more shaken by losing Laris than he was about the memories of his own assimilation. Isn't that messed up? Yeah, I guess so. The Borg proposed beaming over an emissary, one Borg queen. The queen is coming. (laughs) Rios is like, uh, no. (laughs) This is sort of legendarily the worst Borg person on any ship. Like, we don't want that one over here, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, the Borg are quite insistent, so insistent that they start doing this transporter beam that is also a phaser, like it's a transporter beam that is like punching a hole in their shields. How does this not look like two giant robot hands pulling apart what look like a robot buttocks before this beam comes out? (laughs) I feel like we're being fucked with. (laughs) And this is where we kind of pick up where the episode started. This is the yeah. everybody getting their dust buster out, getting ready for the Borg Queen to materialize. This is the effectiveness of nonlinear storytelling, right? Like, didn't you start to get really amped up as pieces started falling into place ahead of the cold open that you saw earlier? Absolutely. And uh, 
she appears and she is not looking the way we remember her. She is very like, she's very, it's like Darth Borg Queen kind of a look. We wish for peace. She looks like she's attending a fetish party that no one else there got invited to. <laughs> she puts some Doc Ock tentacles into the console and people start shooting. She's shooting back and it's uh, very interesting. She's shooting stun beams back at them and Rios cannot get his crew under control. Like he keeps asking for a ceasefire and nobody is answering ceasefire pretty fun moment when a cigar gets lit by one of these Borg projectiles. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the one cigar bit that they got in. I thought that was good. Did you think that uh, Seven was intentionally not hit by the Borg Queen? She's the one person that shoots at the Borg Queen that does not get shot back at. Yeah, thought that was interesting. I also thought it was interesting that Edith Piaf started playing. This is a song that is so strongly associated with Inception that it was like a yeah. real head trip that they were using it in this episode. Yeah. It's like using the Jaws theme song. It like makes me think more <laughs> of Inception than it makes me think of anything else. That's a great call. This is a music supervisor's job is to see this sort of problem coming, right? A song about I don't regret anything by a lover yeah. is very on theme for this episode, given all of the people wishing they had second chances here. But the Inception Association was hard for me to think past. This is another moment of indecisiveness for Picard that does not look measured or thoughtful. It makes him look feeble yeah. and bad. And jerk cables are going off all over the bridge, like several of them. Like people are flying through corridors and stuff until Picard finally uh, gives up. He sets auto-destruct. Yeah. Far more zeros in his auto-destruct code than uh, I would have assumed. <laughs> it takes a long time to get that many zeros out. How often do you have to change your auto-destruct code, do you think? Because I always thought his code was Picard 47 Alpha Tango. I've remembered that for 30 years. He changed it to this, but now he has two factor. So it then right. texts him and he has to put in that code. Yeah. You uh, pull off your com badge and you see the auto-generated <laughs> code you have to type in. Right. They have to do this though, because if the Borg Queen gets control of the computer, she'll have the command codes to all of these ships that have shown up, which would be really, really bad. And yeah. so- they, uh, they do auto-destruct, and right before we cut to the wide shot, the Borg Queen has a different line than she did in the opening. In the cold open, she just says his name, but in this, it's back to the look up line, that uh, look up Jean-Luc from, from his mom. Yeah, and it sounds like his mom's voice, does it not? It does, yeah. A, a Borgish mom voice? Yeah, so we'll see what that's about, because she didn't say it the first time. No. Weird. Did he imagine it? Did he imagine this thing that happens next? I don't know. We get a button on the episode here where we pull back out of Picard's eye. He's back in that atrium that we saw earlier on in the app. His uniform is different though. His com badge is like what the polo horse went for <laughs> in like the like 2005, 2006 when you got like big polo horse. Super duper big polo horse. 
which I think looks dumb. I don't like the big polo horse and I don't like the big combat chair. Yeah. And Lacoste did it with the alligator and I was just like sad. Like, come on, Lacoste, do your own thing. Don't. Why are things getting so big? Yeah. We know what brand it is. Come on. The interior of the chateau is different too. And uh, definitely this painting he thought he, re- he would recognize is now an angry looking Picard yeah. wearing a different uniform. And Harvey the Synth is there to greet instead of Laris. Would you prefer your morning beverage on the veranda? The solar shields are holding well this morning. The sky is delightfully clear. Who the hell are you? Harvey, sir. Yeah, hell yeah, Harvey is back. He uh, is a little bit confusing. This uh, seems to be a reality in which Captain Picard is a sword guy. There's swords hmm. around. I always thought that was an Elnor thing. Yeah. And then uh, who should show up but Q? And he's young. Yeah, look at him. Looks great. Then he snaps his finger and his dick flops out of his pants. (laughs) And it's like, wow, what a way to start a season. (laughs) You know, I was telling you about a road not taken, but on this road, (laughs) just sort of gestures broadly. (laughs) You're going to need to pack a lunch. (laughs) Did you like this episode, Ben? I have to say, I liked it a lot better the second time I watched it. Huh. I really liked the cold open, and I feel like it does a good job of taking the things that I like from 2009 Star Trek. I had the same thought, yeah. Like, it it felt like it was kind of biting a lot of rhymes from that in a way, but I will say that the complications that I felt were knowing a Q thing was coming, just based on the trailers and... Mm -hmm knowing something really crazy was going to happen based on the cold open. You know, everything after the cold open felt like it took a really long time and was very repetitive to me. Yeah. In a way that was like, I get it. I have, I have done, I have, I have written the note down like for the third time that Picard is a man filled with regrets. And um, I was getting a little annoyed at it by the, you know, midpoint of my first watch through. But by the time I watched it the second time, it felt a lot more justified. Like it felt like good story structure in a way that it didn't the first time. And I don't know, that might be a weakness actually. Like I think that there is something to be said for an episode like really being fucking kick-ass the one time you watch it and not needing to be rewatched to be appreciated. But well, I mean, this has been an observation we've had about new Star Trek for a long time. Right. Is that you need to watch the whole season as it's dosed out and then watch it all the way through right. as a binge so that you can then understand the reason for how it was structured. Yeah. I would say that I had mixed feelings about it overall, but I'm very excited for season two. And specifically excited for season two in that it feels like a real departure from season one in that it's a story not about an existential threat to the galaxy or an existential threat to Earth. It feels like it does not want to play in the same sandbox that Star Trek Discovery is playing in. Mm -hmm. And that feels like a very strong choice. I'm really glad that they didn't take it in, in that direction. And yeah. uh, I'm excited for episode two. So uh, I would say that if if its job was to get me excited to watch the next episode, it did that. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I agree with that last part for sure. And I agree with a lot of the other things you said. I really like the TNG episodes 
where you get to live in Picard's ennui for a while. And I think that is a specifically interesting quality to him. Like Perfect Mate was a really great episode for that, right? Right. That was the ultimate duty before personal love, romance, relationship sort of outcome thing. Like that was, I think, maybe the best articulation of who Picard is and and the way he makes choices like this. But this isn't that. This is a guy who is profoundly damaged and damaged to the extent that he can't even articulate the way that he is to the people who he's closest to. And we have a lot of time left to watch the episodes where this rolls out for us as justification for his actions. But I'm not comfortable with Picard's life being a warning to other people (laughs) in this specific way. Yeah. You know, like I'm not saying make Picard's retirement chill as hell and partying all the time and popping bottles and whatever. And I'm definitely not saying go from harvest day straight into the bedroom with Laris. But when a person we've been conditioned to watching making correct decisions for himself and for the other people in his life has all of a sudden just not, like he's not taking care of himself Yeah, in a way that is concerning. And I'm worried about him. Yeah. And I don't, and I wonder if this is going to be a season that isn't about Picard being a leader and saving his friends or saving humanity or or doing whatever it takes to to win the day, but about just making sure he's safe and okay. And what a strange foundation that might be to have for the next 10 episodes, you know? Like, I, it's a strange start to a season. There does feel like a bit of a retcon, like Picard stood up for what was right his entire life, only to live a life of regrets feels like a weird loop to go through. Yeah, aren't we supposed to aspire to be like him? Now, all of a sudden, that's not the case? Don't aspire to be like me, a good person who sometimes has to make a hard choice. Don't try to be a great man. (laughs) Just be a lonely man (laughs) and let history decide. That's it. I don't think that that's irredeemably the direction that they've written him. It just kind of smells like that a little bit in this first episode and- his indecisiveness was was like another aspect to this is like he's not only making bad decisions, but he's also like paralyzed in moments where he would never be. Right. Well, yeah, I think it's maybe out of practice paralysis. I must update the software on my golem. <laughs> I only hope the battery still lasts when I do it. <laughs> Well, Adam, I got a reply from my friend Swathi, and I'm going to read it when we get back from the Priority One messages. Wow. Way to build suspense. That's called showmanship, my friend. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Ben, our first Priority One message is from Jeff. It is to Ben and Adam, and the message goes like this. Your podcasts have been reassuring companions for the last two years. Thank you. I also need advice. Oh, boy. Okay. My wonderful wife, Allison, has never been interested in Star Trek or science fiction. Recently, her podcast idol, Brene Brown, said she likes Star Trek. So now my wife will watch one Star Trek movie or episode. What should we watch? (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) One 
episode or movie. This is almost too much power to put in the hands of a couple of Star Trek podcasters. It's weird. Like I've often thought about like what's the one episode or what's the one movie, but commingling them and choosing one out of that bag. The, the number one Star Trek piece of media of all time. What is it? What's the on-ramp that you would suggest? It's a little TNG episode called Survivors. <laughs> it's a little Shatner-directed movie called Star Trek V, the one where they kill God. If you're Jeff, do you want to give your wife your favorite thing to either approve or disapprove of? Or are the stakes so high yeah. that if Allison doesn't like that that all of a sudden it changes the very nature of your relationship forever. Ooh. <laughs> I might be with you and give her something like, I'm not saying show her Star Trek V, but I am saying like maybe choose a, a really good movie or a really good episode, but not your favorite, Jeff. It's too personal that way. How about this? Show her Star Trek Four, and then take her to the uh, double dumbass tour when it comes to your town. Listen to you. Selling tickets. <laughs> Selling tickets in the P1s, baby. You're not wrong. The fourth Star Trek movie, the one with the whales, is is the most penetrable film. My wife actively likes that, and she doesn't care about any of this stuff. So I think there's your answer. I think that's the best answer. Well, Adam, our next priority one message here is from E-Wizzy, and it is also to Adam and Ben. It goes like this. I wanted to clarify that I did actually buy two P1 messages, but the good folks at MaxFun noticed my error immediately and refunded me. So, to say true to my word, here's the second P1. Love the pod. Looking forward to your insightful reviews on Picard. I'm too shy to join Jim Shimoda, spelled G-Y-M, so I work on my traps at home. Well, as long as E-Wizzy is working them traps. Yeah. I mean, the whole point of Jim Shimoda is to get in better shape. Yeah. It's not about impressing anyone at the gym. No, it's more about uh, mutual encouragement, right? It absolutely is. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I would also encourage you to join Jim Shimoda for that reason. Participate in the group. I, I think it's it's nothing but positivity there. That sounds fun. It sounds like a nice... Uh, I should probably do that, to be honest. <laughs> you? Yeah, I could, uh, I could use a little more encouragement. Just in general, but about fitness in particular. I think your traps are looking solid, dude. Aw, you little so-and-so. Well, uh, if you'd like to get a Priority One message, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Uh, we've got some extra inventory while we're overlapping apps with Star Trek colon Picard and Star Trek colon Discovery. Yeah, so, uh, this rarely happens. Yeah, get in there. All right, Adam, before we do our Edward Larkins, my friend Swathi replies... Thank you for texting. Oh, man, I can't believe you actually spotted me. I'm certain it is a blink and you'll miss it bit. But it was super fun to shoot. I love Star Trek. Hope it was a good first step. This season looks awesome. So Swathi hasn't even gotten to see this yet. Wow. She has she has a speaking role and an on-screen credit in this episode, and they don't they don't get screeners. It makes me sad that you can be in Star Trek and not get screeners. Yeah. And yet, two assholes like us... With a dumb Star Trek podcast, get screeners. Something I'm grateful for, yeah. but still, doesn't seem fair. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you discover yourself in Edward Larkin? Edward Larkin! Hard to beat Gerardi in that scene at the bar. Yeah. And then later on the ship, I mean, she's sort of the Shimoda and the Larkin all at once. She's mega smart like a Shimoda and a Larkin. She's also uh, 
drunk like both <laughs> as well. And she gets like two cracks at it in two different scenes and locations. I couldn't be moved off of that choice. So it's Gerardi for me. What about you? I don't see how you could make the case for anybody but Gerardi in this episode. And the legendary thumbs up take yeah. too. Like that's, you get Larkin for that. You know, after the last season, I sort of wondered how much of a rinse repeat Star Trek season two was going to be. I was like, are we going to have just a different adventure on the La Serena? And like, what would the point of that be? Like, is there yeah. just a new thing that is Picard specific going on in the universe that requires a semi, a semi illegitimate starship crew to get together and go do it? Like, how would that happen? It could have gone a lot of places. I was very glad to see her in particular from the last season because I just thought her character was so much fun. And um, I uh, I agree. She was just having the best time in this episode in a really fun way. I hope you feel like it's worth keeping her around because by doing that, you're, you're getting rid of uh, Soji. You're getting rid of Laris. Possibly getting rid of Guinan. Who knows if we'll get Guinan again? I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what we uh, <laughs> what we have to uh, pay for having Allison Pill with. Jaban was cool. Jaban's dead. He didn't even get the send off on screen. Yeah, RSVP Jaban. Do you think they buried him out in the winery? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's good fertilizer, man. Yeah. <laughs> the. Uh... <laughs> they, they show Jaban's body being loaded into one of those like hovering sprayers <laughs> and like a wood chipper. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> yeah. One special episode of Picard written by and directed by the Cohen brothers. <laughs> yeah. Boy, uh, the sprayer's kind of choking on Jaban's ridges there toward the end. <laughs> <laughs> we should have fed him through front way first. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adam, uh, the next episode of Star Trek Picard is called Penance. And uh, I don't have a uh, episode description here to read, but uh, hopefully you'll find out about that in the credits, which are coming at these folks right now. All right. At the time of this record, we still do not have a description for Season 2, Episode 2 of Star Trek Picard. The Greatest Discovery is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica, produced by Wendy Pretty, and today's episode was guest edited by me, Rob Adler. It's always a huge help if you can rate and review the show. Thanks to Adam Ragusea, who made our theme and interstitial music. If you've ever wondered what the hell yeast extract is, or tried to make your own baked Alaska, join millions of others and follow Adam's YouTube channel. You can keep up to date with us on Instagram and Twitter at Greatest Trek, which of course is run by the car daddy Bill Tilly. If you're looking to connect with other friends of DeSoto, drop by the Discord channel at DrunkShimoda.com or check out the Reddit page at r slash greatestgen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's special episode drop. We'll see you next week for another episode of The Greatest Discovery. Maximumfun.org.
Comedy and Culture. Artist owned, audience supported.